And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP. Flying solo here to the last uh, segment where we'll have Chris Liebham coming in about his new book. Very interesting. We're going to focus on one area that, well, many people don't really think about. I think it's growing, but it's how to take care of your pet when you're gone. You know, Brent, I hate to see sometimes on Facebook or in stories about, um, or when shelters post, they talk about how, you know, here's Muffy. She lived with this wonderful family or, you know, her parents died and the children don't want her. Yeah. And dog looks or the cat looks totally disoriented. You got to make plans for your pets. Good point. So it's one segment in Chris's new book among a lot of great, a wealth of information on a lot of things we talk about Social Security, Medicare, and so forth. And we did lose the queen. That was very sad. It's uh, the end of an era. It really is. I mean, you don't realize how long she has been around since what, the end of World War II? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and most of us alive today will never see another Queen Elizabeth because you go through the pecking order of mm-hmm. who's next in line. And uh, the, the little grandson, he's nine years old. Right. So he'll, he'll be a king at, at some point. No queens in the lineage right now. Well, that's not what Meghan Markle said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She said, Henry, Henry, I need to be the queen. That's it. That's not how it works, love. You're my queen. Now I want to be the queen. My father is the king, and that's how it works. You need to talk to him. I need to get into the throne. I've taken your head. I might as well take the head of everybody else here. (laughs) And I think I need a co-queen. What? AOC will be my co-queen. There's been a lot of running gags about Meghan oh, Markle yes. out there mm-hmm. asking for her place on the throne. Too soon? <laughs> <laughs> Not for her. No. There's one from the Babylon Bee. Did you see that? Oh, they're that, priceless. Oh, yeah. They, well, unfortunately, the Babylon Bee is, is breaching into actual is reality at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I think that's what blew the onion up. <laughs> Like, it's like when two Karens meet, like the, the fake and the real have merged mm-hmm. and the onion just bloomed yeah. and went away. A blooming onion. But Babylon B took it over. Yeah. But I think their latest was something about Meghan Markle's upset that uh, the Queen's taken or her attention for at least a day. <laughs> so, um, or something along those, those lines. It's okay, Meghan. Go watch a rerun. <laughs> How dare you, Brent? Off with your head. After I post this selfie of me taking your head. All over Instagram, people. Um, so Janet Yellen, speaking of jokes, um, was at the, uh, you know, she's making the rounds now for um, what's coming. And she, she's getting rolled out on a road show 
and she has to portray the U.S. economy as this nirvana, even though the Atlanta Fed tracker shows you at 1.4% GDP growth estimate for the third quarter. She's rolling out that uh, at the Ford plant, right? She spoke at the Ford Electric Vehicle Center in Dearborn, uh, Michigan, right? So, and she was really talking up the economy, how great it is, but that everybody needs to pay their fair share. So, Brent, she goes, um, taxes have to go back to historical norm. What and is, you wonder what, what norm? historical norm is. Yeah. Is it during the Depression when taxes went from 25% to 63% for top earners? Is it in 1944 when the top rate peaked at 94% of taxable income over $200,000? $2.5 million in today's dollars. What is the norm? So that's what she was talking about. The funny part about it is she's talking about how the lower, the lower end of the scale has finally been risen out of poverty and all these great things she's saying. Meanwhile, when you look at wage growth compared to inflation, the average cost, and she's talking about how the, the, the world is now should be electric, even though the average cost of an electric car is $66,000. So how in the heck are you supposed to afford that? And all her policies have only done one thing, is increase the wealth of the top 1% through stocks. But now she is an advocate for how everything green and how great the economy is. We don't have green shoots in this economy. We have massive oak trees with money coming off of them and, and all these wonderful things that are happening based on her discussion at this Ford plant uh, yesterday. So I listened to some of it, and uh, you know she's talking about the um, the second fiscal stimulus, how it really helped raise everybody out of poverty and helped through the pandemic, even though the pandemic was pretty much over, and uh, the economy was well on its way to recovery. So inflation is not anybody else's fault, but I will tell you. Um, so she's promoting this fair economy and all these achievements. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many more um, speeches she makes. Obviously, Ford has been the recipient of many subsidies. So um, I'm not saying that, again, you, you shouldn't move to some form of, um, or at least we talk about diversification of accounts, diversification of assets. You certainly can have diversification of energy. But this, these demands on Yellen and how she's talking at this Ford plant yesterday was very, very much entertaining. So even though the economy is uh, growing at a measly 1.4%, um, the, uh, we've got, um, uh, we had, uh, f well, we, we looked at what was going, up with, going on with um, uh, Fed Powell, right? How he's going to have to push unemployment significantly higher to hit the 2% inflation target. So there's a paper that's going to be coming out September 8th to 9th at the Brookings Institution uh, Conference. And what they're talking about in this paper is the what has happened here. 
uh, as far as the forecasts of Fed policymakers and how far that they're probably going to have to go to tame inflation and how unemployment is going to have to increase. And that is going to be um, uh, a great challenge. But overall, the market today is handling things pretty well. As Lance talked about, you should be in, in, in time for another reflexive bounce. And we're going to see where that goes. When we turn, come back, we're going to talk about the true cost of aging. How many seniors can't afford basic necessities. When we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's back to school time, and for your high school student, it's time to fill out the infamous FAFSA form for college financial aid. Mistakes could cost you money. Our next virtual lunch and learn will help you maximize your free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA. Register now for this free lunch and learn with Danny Ratliff and Chris Liebham Thursday, September 15th at noon at realinvestmentadvice.com. Filling out the FAFSA is vital for getting financial aid. Learn how. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. So, for all the geeks on YouTube... Hey, no. This is a pretty good article. Actually, it's a great paper. It's written by Lawrence Ball, Daniel Lee, and Prashi Mishra. Um, it's Understanding U.S. Inflation During the COVID Era, and it's brook- at brookings.edu. Um, this is a, it's summarized, so it's easy for you to get through so early in the morning. It's a part of the fall 2022 edition of Brookings Papers on Economic Activity. If you haven't gone to the Brookings Papers, on economic activity, uh, they're actually really good. Um, I go there once in a while as a resource for a lot of different papers that are being written, and um, it's it's really been fascinating to see what's come out, especially about inflation and COVID and what's re- why it happened and who's responsible for it, even though it's not really politically correct to talk about it. So um, if you want to look it up, but this will be at the conference. There are a lot of these papers that are coming out uh, that are going to talk about how the Fed's going to have to break something to fix something. That's just the way it is, right? Um, the wage growth tracker, unfortunately, well, we're, here's where Yellen was correct. Yellen was correct in the fact that we have seen wage growth. We have seen employees have the upper hand. It's been a long time. Look at Amazon. I think it's in Arizona. One of their warehouses will be unionized. So there has been this shift where employees are making more on a nominal basis, on a nominal basis, 
not actually for what they can buy. And yes, inflation has come down for a lot of things that you possibly don't need. But there are many reasons, and some of them are structural, why inflation is going to be stubborn. And perhaps the Fed is not going to able, be able to break it. And if there are any more fiscal stimulus packages, like there's one, I think it's in Europe, for the, uh, for the onerous uh, uh, energy prices, that, that, that people are going to get subsidies, which is the worst idea, right? You're going to have subsidies out there that are going to go ahead and just create more inflation. Even modern, modern monetary theory, which I know has been under the covers and hidden for a while, talks about how higher rates are there to stem demand, just like higher taxes. But so I am counteract, I am, I'm sort of diluting the fight, especially look at the ECB just raised rates by 75 basis points, right? So uh, it's going to be interesting. This fiscal monetary battle, one's going to try to fight inflation. The other one's going to try to fire it up. And I think even Powell sort of lamented about it the other day when he said, listen, um, you guys on the fiscal side got to need to slow your roll. Maybe he should use that. Slow your roll. Can you do it in a more distinguished pattern and way? <clears throat> I need you all to hear me. Slow your roll. That's not very powerful. No, no. That was need to work on that. Evil demon. Can you do it with an accent? Maybe? I can do it as Janet Yellen. That's the only one. <laughs> My career is not going to take off if I can only do one voice. Although I would have been great at that power plant. Oh, yeah. As Janet Yellen. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to get an electric car. It's going to be great. We're going to drive two blocks. We're going to meet at the coffee shop because that's as far as we could go. And then we're going to get back in our cars and we're all going to virtue signal about our beautiful cars and how we're doing well for the economy, even though we know a lot of where the materials come from. So um, it is going to be, uh, I think this conference is going to share a lot of light economically. I don't know how it gets filtered through the political prism. We'll have to wait and see. So I do like the fact that there is wage growth for people who didn't participate in the, the, the wealth growth. But on one hand, you're giving it, and on the other hand, you're taking it away. So that, that's not going to last. So we'll see what the Atlanta Fed tracker um, has to say. But when she says, again, taxes up to the norm, what norm is she discussing at this point? Sure, 90% for the <laughs> How would you feel about that, Brent? You Not good. Because even good. in our, like where most people's wages fall, the average tax rate was probably close to 45, 50%. And have you noticed all these states that are now reporting revenue surpluses because of the inflation effect on mm -hmm. tax revenues? Mm -hmm. Think we'll get any of that stuff back? Well, there are some governors that are looking at ways to possibly... State, local yeah. state taxes. I think that's great. State of Hawaii is issuing rebate checks this week, I believe. Which is like, again, which is great. It's nice to get a check. But again, if you're trying to stem inflation, this is the wrong way to do it. That's mm. sort of what got us into the soup to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe this time, Brent, people decide that 
they're going to build their savings coffers. Because Biden said something about how the savings rate has increased. And when you go to look at the savings rate, household savings rate, it's in the toilet. I, so think, I, he, I think his chart was upside down. Well, it could have been upside down or it was 2020, <laughs> right? Because in 2020, in all fairness, everybody's locked up. We did have an amazing savings rate. It's not that way anymore. People are using credit cards now to make ends meet. So maybe, just maybe, some of these checks will wind up into savings. But at the same time, we also know that eventually, as consumers, the money will get back out into the system. So again, this monetary and fiscal fight, along with the market trying to digest the information, is going to be complex, which means it's going to make it tougher for you to navigate this market. Uh, we meet every day, we meet early in the morning, and we try to figure out what's the next move? What's the market telling us? Um, is this a bear market bounce? I know to Lance longer term chart, it doesn't look like a bear market, but it feels like one, it acts like one, and you get bounces within these markets, and some of them are gonna be good. Um, you just have to set the allocation for what you think you need to have. So I wrote this piece on Facebook yesterday, how having cash is not a bad thing. And this professor from the University of Houston, uh, nice guy, says <laughs> that is like the worst advice I've ever heard. Why would I have cash? It loses to inflation. Meanwhile, I had written in, inside this, this post, some cash in your investment portfolio is not bad, right? If I'm in distribution mode, I want cash for opportunities. I want cash as a way to minimize my volatility. So even the professors are sort of teaching that cash is trash. How do you like that, Brett? I'm accepting, accepting cash donations. <laughs> uh, so if for you, you want to get rid not of your cash, uh, I'll take care of that for you. No charge. Oh, man. You remember when you used to get dollars and people would write notes on them? Yes. Like all kinds of cool stuff? Yeah. Hi, I'm from Connecticut. Call me. <laughs> I did that once. That's another ugly story for another day when BR I was like 17 years old. 549. <laughs> <laughs> that really is going to go down an ugly hole, but I want to tell you. <laughs> you Is there a number on a dollar bill? In the 70s, in the 80s, I'm calling you. <laughs> and I'm making a prank call. Because <laughs> whoa does that. Yeah. Just begging <laughs> for it. Except for Chris Lieber, maybe. <laughs> oh, who, who really will do that? Chris does that? Really? I don't know. I think he's doing that now on his credit card. He writes, call me, and he gives someone his credit card. And they never call him. They just use the card. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how we used to communicate in ways before all this technology. Do you remember passing notes in, in class? school? Yes. yes. Do you like me? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. And then the girls that I would send those to yeah. would literally just, they don't even want to answer. Just water it up. <laughs> Throw, it <away>. Boom. <laughs> Throw it at you. So, yeah. But, you know, it's just interesting compared to how you communicate today. <laughs> There's no spirit in it. Like when people write something to you, it's so different. I read an article the other day, and I've gotten away from this. So clients know I have gotten away from this, but I'm going back to this. Um, how advisors should be using more handwritten notes. And it, it, regardless of the generation, 
you spent the time. I do that with Thanksgiving cards and, and other things. I do make sure that I'm the one who signs them and, and creates. A, I have a something that I put in there, just a little saying that I think is special for the holiday. But you know, it's saying that you know we're losing the ability to not only communicate but feel the communication. Someone writes you a card. I have one client. She's like my she's like my nana. She sends me these notes, and I keep them all. Like I just think there's something so much more special when it comes to pen and paper. I don't think we're ever going to be going back to that it's, for the most it's part. It's a you? personal form of communication. You, you know, that you, person's hand has actually touched that page. And to they write those stepped words. back, yes. thought of what they were going to say as opposed mm-hmm. to firing off an emoji. Right. Like you send me a poo emoji, I know what you mean. <laughs> Even though it's telling me, someone's telling me that's chocolate pudding, I'm like, what, what world are yeah. you in? Processed pudding. <laughs> what kind of pudding is that? <laughs> no, it's chocolate ice cream. How dare you think it's a poo poo? Or whatever. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> now we're fighting over emojis. People wonder why I stay locked in the house most of the time. So, the True Cost of Aging Index shows how seniors cannot afford basic necessities. And we're going to talk about this. I know we went off on a tangent here, but we're going to talk about it. Why Social Security is important to many older Americans, how they need to be proper when they take it, but... Obviously, it's not enough when we return here on Financial Fitness Friday. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's back to school time, and for your high school student, it's time to fill out the infamous FAFSA form for college financial aid. Mistakes could cost you money. Our next virtual lunch and learn will help you maximize your free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA. Register now for this free lunch and learn with Danny Ratliff and Chris Liebham Thursday, September 15th at noon at realinvestmentadvice.com. Filling out the FAFSA is vital for getting financial aid. Learn how. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back, everybody. Dow futures up 196 points. S&P futures up. NASDAQ futures up 117. You know, I think as the market just tries to digest the information, as long as the Fed is clear, I don't know how much clearer they can be. We're going to raise rates, uh, and we're going to continue. Probably 75 basis points coming. And uh, Chris Liebham's here with us. He'll be talking about his new book in the next segment. Excited about that. He's our senior risk manager. He was the kid that when you got the dollar bill with the handwriting on it, it said, 
you need insurance. <laughs> I'm not old enough to sell it, but you call my dad or, you know. He was developing that pipeline early on. He really yeah. was. He really was. Remember what his, what, his, what his mom said to him? Honey, you're seven years old. You don't need life insurance. <laughs> but mama, I do. So. But the rates were really good. They were. Yeah. You know. Well, when I was growing up, probably you and Chris, there was that Gerber insurance. Yeah. You oh, had yeah. juvenile insurance. You remember yes. that? Yes. And my parents took out a policy on me. No wonder I used to sleep with one eye open. Um, <laughs> sometimes I did wonder, when am I going to get, oh, we got life insurance on you so that if, if you ever need it, you know, if something happens, you can't get it. You have it. I'm like, I know why you got life insurance on me. I'm not stupid. Well, you made it through that, Richard. I, I certainly did. I, uh, I worked really hard to stay awake. Really hard to stay awake. So the, uh, here's a very, you've got your parents, older parents, grandparents. Uh, there is uh, something out there called the elderindex.org. And the elder index is very, very, it, it's almost like when we share with you the CPI tracker, and you want to know what your own inflation is. This measures the income older adults need to live independently. It's elderindex.org. And you go in, step one, you choose your location. Step two, you choose your filters. Filters are single household, married, right? Homeowner with a mortgage, health status. And you apply those numbers. And it allows, this index allows researchers to tailor the adequacy measure to the elderly. And it's a real simple way to evaluate retirement security. And a lot of women are going to check, older women are going to check single. That's going to be an issue. Actually, I think that older Americans overall are going to be single. If you look at the divorce rate, at age 55 plus. More than half of older women living alone, 54%, are in a precarious financial situation. They are either poor according to the federal poverty standard or with incomes too low to pay for essential expenses. For single men, the share is lower, but it's still pretty high at 45%. So this new coalition, Equity and Aging Collaborative, is planning to use this elder index to influence policies that affect older adults. Um, property tax relief, expanded eligibility for programs that assist with medical expenses, um, and you have 25 prominent aging uh, organizations that are going to be part of this. So you got to look at the, you do have to create a dialogue around aging in America, the true cost of it. Listen, our demographics are terrible. The global demographics are terrible. People do not, are not having children. And when you look at a cost, maybe about over 300 plus thousand dollars to raise a child, there are many younger couples that I talk to. That is a financial decision for them. Or things have to be just right for them to have kids. And if they do decide to have children and we put it in the financial plan to do so, it's one child. They don't want to have more than one. Uh, and it, if it becomes a decision that they want to have more than one, we're doing the math to see if one of the parties can stay home or work from home. This is one of the reasons I believe 
that this hybrid work schedule is going to change, especially for married couples who do want uh, children when you look at the cost of child care. So you are looking, um, almost every state is using this elder index and other databases to figure out health care costs, transportation, housing costs, right? But it's a bare bones budget. It's, it's adjusted for whether older adults are living, as, say, as part of the couple, like we said, whether they're, if they're in poor health. Run the numbers on that elder in index for poor health and see how much retirement security as far as income you need, which is why we always talk about this Health Wealth Connect. And we try to help people understand that there is a benefit to investing in your health. And I've said this many times on the radio, when people come in and they want to cut expenses, they want to cut food expenses, right? Which makes sense. But it's right away going to more processed foods or they want to cut the gym membership. And out of anything else, those are the last things I would cut because I'm looking on how much it costs if you have poor health in, reti- uh, in retirement. So the, it's, it's an eye-opener. Even if you're not elderly, it might be good for you to tr- uh, tr- look at some scenarios and, and, figure it, and figure it out. So when you look at it in 2020, and this is according to data supplied by the director of Gen, uh, Gerontology Institute, five million older women living alone, two million older men living alone, and more than two million older couples had made incomes that made them economically insecure. And that's when we're looking at now inflation at 9%. So the social security decision is an important one. Yes, it's important if you're a couple. I spoke to a couple the other day, and it was sort of, you know, sort of typical for what we see. We have a wage earner a higher wage earner, and a lower wage earner for whatever reason. Could be male, female, doesn't matter. And we always want to maximize the benefits for both and the survivor benefits um, for both. But those living alone, even more so, want as much income possible because I don't have a spouse that can help as a caregiver through a certain period of time. Aging solo is a lot more expensive than aging married. I, I started to put the framework together of an, for an article that, that looks at that topic and shares with you some of the statistics behind that, and you would be shocked uh, to see it. But intuitively, it makes sense. So if, if anything gets you to step back <clears throat> and look at Social Security more as a longevity risk asset and how to manage it versus a I need to break even and get my money out of the system kind of asset, that elder index can really open uh, your eyes to it um, overall. And what I am concerned about is over the next 10 or 12 years, uh, based on how I think investment returns are going to go, and we've already put in lower asset class returns going forward since 2019. And I hope I'm wrong about where our estimates might be for a 60-40 blended portfolio. 
although it's not as dire as some estimates I've seen out there. It guaranteed income for older Americans is just going to be more important because cash flow is the lifeblood of retirement. So they're going to have to look at is your pension and Social Security and possibly your own pension that you create through guaranteed income products. How will that work when my investment portfolio is going to not provide what I need? I have to look at my withdrawal rate. I am having more clients now come to me, even though their plans show success based on how we built them, that they are concerned about their withdrawal rates. Even though we manage those withdrawal rates very carefully. And I explain, should I, and they, and the, the last question they ask me is, should I be worried? And most advisors will say, no, don't worry. My advice is, a little worry is good for you. I don't think you have to, but if certain expenses come up, one-time expenses, we know they're going to go away. Let's see what your baseline is going to be next year. <clears throat> if it makes you feel better emotionally to cut the withdrawal rate, I will absolutely be an advocate for it. But let's talk about whether you need to or not. That's the trouble with variable assets. You're going to stress out through times of turbulence. You just are. If I'm in an accumulation portfolio, yeah, I'm going to worry a little bit. But I can, I can do a lot of things. I'm, I don't have to tap that money to live. And hopefully I'm going to buy in to the market at lower prices. But if I'm withdrawing money from the portfolio, my mindset is one of vulnerability. And I'm going to be a little worried. And a little worry is good. Because people who worry actually have more money than people who don't. All right, we get back. We talk about Fish's new book. It's simple. No, it's complicated. No, it's simple. But we're going to talk about all those things. But really want to focus on one chapter here. But we'll talk about the book. Why Chris decided to write this book with uh, Jody Clock. Lots of great data in this. When we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's back to school time, and for your high school student, it's time to fill out the infamous FAFSA form for college financial aid. Mistakes could cost you money. Our next virtual lunch and learn will help you maximize your free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA. Register now for this free lunch and learn with Danny Ratliff and Chris Liebham Thursday, September 15th at noon at realinvestmentadvice.com. Filling out the FAFSA is vital for getting financial aid. Learn how. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Yo. 
all imagine if the queen comes back as a virus, like she is reincarnated, and Dr. Fauci has got to diagnose it. <laughs> she would be the most polite virus out there. I am going to infect you now, but I promise it's going to be delightful. <laughs> you'll have a little sniffle, and uh, you'll have some nice tea. It'll give you all a chance to relax. And, and that's my gift to you, the people. Except Megan. That's going to be COVID squared. And she is going to have explosive problems in the posterior. That's my gift to my wonderful grandson. What's uh, your thoughts on that? What, yeah. was, what was your coffee this morning? <laughs> not enough. You know what that brand? The not enough brand? Yeah. Yep. She would be, I don't know, going to miss the queen. All right. So we got Chris Liebham here. Chris, the insurance risk mitigation person, which is good because in your financial plan, there are a lot of things you can control. But an unforeseen risk, which you hope never happens, you must prepare for, unless you have enough money to self-insure. That must be nice, Chris, yeah. right? But for a lot of people, they have to do that. But Chris is also our education specialist as well. So we're going to have on Thursday, September 15th at noon, our live virtual free Zoom webinar on avoiding costly mistakes on the FAFSA. This is the basic understanding what pr procrastination can cost you. Uh, don't miss out on grant scholarships and financial aid. The biggest misnomer I've seen around this stuff is that people think that, oh, we make too much money. Sure. We're not going to get mm. it. And I tell everybody, fill it out. Fill it out. Fill it out. You never know. I don't care how much income you make. So we're going to go through, he's going to go through the mechanics of this process. And I think that'll be great, uh, Chris. So we're looking forward to that. I think it's going to be moderated with you and Danny. Yes. So there's still time to register at realinvestmentadvice.com. Because what we try to do at RIA, I know Lance is always talking about the portfolio management and that's, that, that's great. But we're sort of a, you know, we make a wealth sandwich here, right? It's not just, I know the meat's important and that's portfolio management, but you gotta have a lot of other things that circle around the portfolio. Your plan, uh, how you pay for education, all these things. So, we, you know, this is gonna be important, Chris. So um, I know you'll all share some really good uh, points about what we uh, what people need to do. But I think the biggest, and you probably talk about this, is don't avoid filling it out because you think you make too much money. That's got to be one of the greatest myths of that. Yeah, that's one right? of the biggest <coughs> errors that's made is not filling it out. The second biggest one, I would say, is just not understanding the questions and answering them correctly and making a mistake there. It's hard mm -hmm. to go back and get those fixed. Uh, so take the time to understand the question, fill it out completely, and do it and do it right. Last year, everyone we met with almost made errors in our FAFSA, which cost them. And that went over really well last year with you. I think you, had, you, t you met with a lot of people and talked to them who did. Yes. Who were able to correct certain mistakes that could have cost them big dollars. So I'm glad that you were able to, um, you know, you're able to do that. And we're coming up on a deadline, too, for this fall, aren't we? Yeah, so October 1st is the beginning of the application season. Mm -hmm. So you want to get you know, prepared for that, understand the questions that are coming up. And don't be in a hurry to get it done on October 1st, but just start 
being aware of that process coming up here soon. Yeah, and some of you are listening and on our YouTube channel, your children probably may be past that period, um, but you could be a grandparent. Talk to your kids. Have them sit in on this, right? It's, it, it's fast. It's about an hour. Lots of good stuff. 12 o'clock, Thursday, September 15th. So, Chris, you and Judy wrote this book. Yes. Jody wrote this book. Jody, yeah. Uh, it's you know, all about things that I call the financial dust bunnies, which I think <laughs> we do really great because when there are dust bunnies under the bed, most people don't want to clean them. Right. We, if those are financial dust bunnies, we bring them out and we want to know what the composition of those dust bunnies are and tackle them. And that's Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, long-term care, end-of-life planning, all the things that we don't really like to, to go over. But I will tell you what I liked about this book. Um, because, you know, as Lance would say, boring. <laughs> um, but I like the way you formatted it, and you also have uh, examples of couples. Yes. You know, real-life examples of people who have went through this stuff. I think that's really valuable. Um, and it's, e it's, an, it's not a difficult read as well. It's an easy read. But what was the motivation behind writing this, you and Jody? Well, <clears throat> we talked about it, and you know, she owns a funeral home, so you know, that's where the beginning started. She must be fun at parties, I would think. <laughs> so her thing about it is yeah. the family showing up in the funeral home, mm -hmm. and somebody in there had passed away, and... They want to do this and that and have all this type of, you know, type of funeral with caskets and, you know, and all the going-ons. And then politely she asks who's going to pay for it and who's in charge, and nobody knows because that conversation hadn't been created in their family. So, so in other words, it, all this culminates with somebody passing away or in this period of grief, and now you're asking these questions, right? Yes. So with that... You know, this book was created with a thought of where I could sit down with this book if my parents hadn't had that conversation with me mm -hmm. to share this book with them to say, you know, have you talked about this? Do you have a plan? Or for me to complete it and give it to my kids uh, to share it with them. This is mom's and my plan. This is what we want to do. Um, so they know they don't have those questions when that day comes and they have to be faced with the reality of, you know, losing, you know, myself or, you know, my wife and, and how to make those you, decisions. This book, I'm a big, I, when I give gifts most of the time, it's books. I, I think providing books as gifts, old stories, new stories, instruction manuals in some way, this is a great book i think for older parents or people in their 50s whatever it is i think this is an actually a very good gift uh i'm not trying I to agree. pump your book i don't <laughs> i don't collect any compensation from this book everybody what i'm saying is the information in here and the way it's written could be really good if you're having a reluctancy to have the discussions this book can be part of the discussion or the discussion so I really like the way you wrote it out. Now, I think what's unique about this book <clears throat> is the family care plans you put together, but one was yes. the pet's end-of-life plan, right? Um, if something happened to me today, would anyone even know if I have a pet or pets who, are, or he, who is or are home alone? And <clears throat> I was telling Brent before you showed up that sometimes on Facebook – 
uh, through or even through shelter postings, you see, oh, well, you know, Lizzie's owner has passed away and the kids yeah. didn't want her. And that always disturbs me because maybe someone's made an assumption. Well, you wouldn't get rid of dear Mizzy. You would never do that. But, but the children don't feel the same way about Mizzy or whatever it is. True. And that's a real terrible name for pet. So <laughs> I just made that up. So um, what caused, you know, after all this stuff that you have in here, what made you want to add the pets to this, uh, to this book? Well, for that reason, you know, because, you know, let's say you pass and, you know, you got the pets there. Who's going to take care of those? And in many cases, those pets end up in a kill shelter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may not have a, a life beyond that. So the chance of them getting out of the shelter may be minimal. Uh, to where if you have a plan set up in advance where it's informal or formal, you know, have a pet trust in place, you know, to where you could actually fund that trust to have, you know, money there to take care of that pet throughout the years. You know, maybe Lance could set up a portfolio for that that you could fund a trust with, you know. Um, just an idea. So funny, but and I was uh, thinking about doing that. But uh, for life mine. insurance, uh, you know, investment portfolio, bank account, things like that, that will fund that trust. Um, or, you know, you have a informal agreement that you could have where I could sit down with Richard. We could have an agreement that he would take care of my dog should something happen to me and have funds in place for that. Now, and they're both legally recognized, you know, to have in place there. So um, this is interesting. Animal Care Trust USA assists pet parents with pet yes. trusts and planning to ensure loved pets never end up in a shelter if the pet parent becomes disabled or dies. So they manage the pet trust for the lifetime care of loved pets. Pets can remain in their own home, be placed in a forever foster home, or live in a forever sanctuary home. I think I never heard of that before, but it makes a lot of sense for people. And again, I will tell you, I did an article with the New York Times about six and seven years ago with Robert Powell, and we looked at the costs of maintaining a pet, but what pets have become to families yes. that don't have children, right? They are, I mean, they are sort of kids. Um, my girlfriend hates when I say that. <laughs> are you saying pets are children? That's crazy. Yes. Yes, I have three little girls here. I got another one, too. She's off at Emory. She doesn't care about me. These three still need me. So I never thought of that as a business or an entity, but that... Uh, that seems pretty interesting. Yeah, so it's so important, you know, when I sit down with individuals just like you do, Richard, you know, one of the questions I'm asking is, do you have a will or a trust in place for your, yourselves, your own estate? Look at and this, we're at the end of the segment. We needed like another segment with you, Chris. Yeah. All right, what I'm going to say is read that chapter, Animal Trust USA. Interesting. The book is, it's complicated. Where do they get it? On Amazon. Amazon. Amazon sells all things. Jeff Bezos, we hate you. That was from, well, we'll talk about that later. Okay, we get back. Listen, tomorrow, not tomorrow, Monday, Lance is back. We're back next Friday. Danny will be back. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Y'all take care. Thank you. It's a rich man's world.